0: Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, the weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns. My name is David McGraw. I am joined by Mitch Krumpetich and the ghost of Charlie Erling. What's up, Mitch? (laughs)
1: Hello. It is very interesting to be sitting next to a ghost here spooky!
0: <laughs>
1: a very spooky episode of the sunny and phoenix podcast
0: <laughs> we're getting ready for halloween early this year we are
1: yeah very early um so today we have some cool stuff on tap a uh, little bit different from our usual um we've just been having a lot of good conversations lately about all-star stuff the state of the team a couple interesting articles coming out but before that we have a very important shout out.
0: Yeah, shout out. We got an iTunes review. Sanson One. Happy shout out. I'm pretty sure what they said. I don't have it actually like off the top of my head, but just appreciate the love and uh, always we and no matter what, if you record or not record, hold on. Let me rephrase that, back it up. Anyone that leaves a comment and leaves a review. We always appreciate and' give, like to give you a lot of love and shout out because uh, we appreciate it. and we love the fact that uh, people do it, so yep. but thank you, Sanson One for uh, reviewing. Yes.
1: <laughs> five stars on iTunes give us that comment. It brings us a lot more joy than you would think. So uh, yeah, if it says the word boy, spelled B-O-I especially, that one brings extra joy. But yeah, thank you to everyone who, uh, who has done that. So where do we start? I, uh, I know you've mentioned you have an all-star rant, and I think that's pretty topical, and I want
0: to hear it, so uh, <laughs> what, uh, what do you got for us? All right, so first off, all-stars, s- starters, the, the teams were drafted. That's the big thing. The teams were drafted. LeBron and Steph had their team had their team drafts. Whatever. Blah 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 blah. The big th- the big news in the last week was mainly the reserves, which I think are super questionable. I I I have a big problem with these reserves. First off, looking at the East, the fact that John Wall and Bradley Beal are both on the All Star team, kind of is bonkers. Like Bradley Beal, I understand. John Wall has not played good this season. And, like, I get it. Like, it's it's almost like a reputation thing for him. Like, everyone's just like, oh, man, he's this, like, transition guy, and he has all these assists, and, like, he plays defense. But, like, his shooting has been awful this year. And, like, the fact that, like, he's in it over a guy like, like Goran Dragic, like, who has stats, has a winning team, like, you know, a guy like him should probably have gotten a nod before him. Or if you want to even say like a up and comer like Ben Simmons, who has technically been listed as a guard, like he, those two guys have huge, like probably should be way more considered over John wall who, you know, you're going to use the injury excuse for a lot of people. This dude was set out for quite a few games and now is going to look at his knees, go talk with his knee surgeon in Cleveland because he wants a second opinion on his knee So he might be even out even longer. So I have a big issue with that. Also, Al Horford on the East. Dude's averaging like 13 points and 5 rebounds, 6 rebounds, something like that. How are those all-star numbers? Like, you're going to look at a guy like Andre Drummond who's leading the league in rebounds and drastically improved his free throw percentage by like 30%. And you're not going to give him an all-star nod on a Pistons team that has revolved around him But you're going to give it to Al Horford, who is playing, like, fifth fiddle on a Celtics team? Come on, that's just dumb. And this is without me even getting into the West. (laughs) Which is, okay, the Warriors are great. Right? Like, whatever. They are worse than last year. Why should they just be gifted four all-star spots when all those guys are, like, they're not playing as good as last year? like Draymond Green I have the stats actually up right here so I'm going to compare Draymond Green and Paul George Paul George who now is an all-star because of the Boogie Cousins injury but should have been an all-star before that Paul George's stats this year are Paul George's stats this year are 20.9 points per game 5.5 rebounds per game 3 assists per game 2.2 steals a game while playing lockdown defense and possibly having one of his best shooting seasons ever. He's shooting 43% from the field, 41.7% from 3, and shooting free throws at 81%. Now he's had better free throw shooting years, but just like as a total, like his his percentages are really solid and they've I think they've dipped a little bit recently, but like he's shooting the best from 3 that he ever has. He's shooting from the field, not as good as he did last year or really his rookie year. He had better percentages also, but like still shooting really well. He's taking, th- he's taking 7.4 threes per game and hitting 3.1 of those. Like he's just playing great. And then you look at Draymond Green stats. Draymond Green averaging 11 points per game. Yes, he has seven and seven. 117 and 7 is good. If 117 and 7 is good, then Ben Simmons should be in the All-Star game for the East. Like if if those numbers are good enough, like okay. And Draymond Green, I'm going to say it, like he's not even their best defender on this Golden State. That's going to be Durant. Mm-hmm. Durant's leading the league in blocks, I'm pretty sure still. Like you know what? Fine. Whatever. But then can we look at guards? And I mean like obviously injuries they're they're deciding to go by a case-by-case basis on how many games you've played clay thompson shooting really good which you get to shoot really good when you're the third or fourth option on a team you get whatever open looks you want because you have kevin durant and steph curry on your team yes he is averaging 20 points a game yes he is shooting 45 percent from three yes he is shooting 48 percent from the field like yes he is shooting really well guess what are we putting JJ Redick in the all-star game? Like just because you're shooting well and the fourth option on a team does not mean that you should be in the all-star game. And like, I get it. He plays defense. I would hope that like he could hit as many open shots that he gets because everyone is too afraid to not double team Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. If you're going to look at a guy that like as guards for the West, you want to say Devin Booker is on a losing team. So he shouldn't be in the all-star game. Maybe Kristaps Porzingis shouldn't be in the All-Star game either because he's on a losing team, but, you know, we'll let it slide. Let's look at a guard in the West that is playing really well, even though they've missed about 15 games. But guess what? Steph Curry also, like, missed almost 15 games, but whatever. Chris Paul, 19.5 points per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, 8.7 assists per game shooting 40% from the three line from the three 45% from the field and hitting free throws at 91.5%. How is that not an all-star pro- like how is that not an all-star season? Like Chris Paul did not get an all-star in the all-star game because of Clay Thompson. Well, I mean, Chris Paul only played 30 games, so... This this entire... Like, all the reserves just really rubbed me the wrong wrong way. Like, alright, John Wall set out, doesn't matter. Steph Curry set out, doesn't matter. Chris Paul set out. Whoa, like, back the train up. Like, come on, man. The Rockets lost James Harden for a stretch. James Harden set out like three weeks almost i think whatever like i i get it like james harden and steph curry are superstars chris paul isn't but john wall isn't either like these reserves have just really frustrated me and i've been ready to talk about this since they got announced because like (laughs) i i am very mad and like yes do i think devin booker should be an all-star yes but even putting that aside, the guys that should be in the All-Star game over some of the other guys that are picked, like, come on. Let's be real. Yes,
1: it's all very frustrating. I don't think I'm quite as heated about it as you, but, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. But I, wanna, I think I would take it a step further when it comes to players on bad teams. Like, the point of All-Star games is it doesn't have to do with winning. It's who is, like, doing the most. Who is putting up the best stats, basically. And I'm going to take it to the homer side and look at Devin Booker, who's averaging, like, 25 points per game. And he's, he has the highest points per game of anyone who wasn't selected to the All-Star game. And the only reason that he's not in is because the Suns are a losing team. Who cares? Look at what he's doing each night. Watch the Suns play one game and you're going to say, oh, Booker should be an all-star. He's playing so well. Well, aside from this little skid. And he was hurt. But still, like, if if the Suns had the same record as the Pelicans, 27-20 and 20 at the time of recording,
0: I think Booker would be an all-star. And that makes me so mad. Without a question, like, I th- I really think these arguments for, like, All-Star exclusion are dumb. Since, I, I really feel like since when has All-Stars been about, like, okay, they only have to be these winning teams blah, 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 blah. I thought that was the excuse for MVP. Like, MVP right. has to be a guy on a winning team. The best guy on the best winning team. That makes more sense. Or, like, All-NBA or whatever. Like, I thought that was the excuse for that. Since when is All-Star... Something voted on primarily by fans. Right. Uh, Like, when is that like, oh, well, these are only the best of the best. When Manu Ginobili gets, like, second in, like, the West and all guards. Like... Right. It's... All of their... All of the defense of why, like, oh, well, this guy can't be in because, you know, he has four toes on his left foot. Like, (laughs) there, it's all just, like, semantics of, well... We don't want to put this guy in. So what excuse can we have to not have this guy in? Like, it, that's that's what it feels like. Yeah. Okay, you have to be on a winning team. Unless you're Porzingis and you're in New York and everyone loves you because you're a unicorn. Really? Like, come on. You, you have to have played X amount of games unless you're Steph Curry or James Harden. Like, come on, man. Like, right.
1: And, well, the point of the All-Star game is entertainment. It's not supposed to be this, like super competitive game it hasn't been that way in a long time we want to see fans want to see the most exciting players and you're excluding a top 10 scorer in the west by not including Devin Booker people want to see that and yeah he's going to be in the three-point contest and that's going to be great it's going to be a lot of fun but like he
0: should be in the all-star game too I don't know yeah I it's just it's really frustrating and I agree I mean like He's, shooting, he's 25, I think, like, 5-4, and four, like, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, or, like, mm-hmm. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, something like that. Maybe it's 25-4-4, four and four, whatever. Doing it where, like, he is the sole focus of the defense. Like, he's doing that. He's shooting a great percentage. The dude deserves to be an all-star. And, look, I get it you you want to knock him for whatever or just because you don't like him or because you don't like the Suns I whatever and that's I guess where I'm at like I can come up with like I can come up with a list of other guys that like have just as much of like a call for those spots as Devin Booker over some of the nonsense like picks that happened like oh well these are like these guys are getting picked just because of like Not even reputation, but what the media is talking about their team. Like, oh man, the Knicks are like, Porzingis is doing so much and he's carrying this Knicks team. The Knicks are losing. They're not even in the playoff picture right now. Like, come on. Like, yeah, Porzingis started out the season great. You know what also happened? He fell off a cliff. That happens with him every year. Like, yes, I'm very heated. I'm very heated about this because like, it's just, it's so dumb, the All-Star game in general and the hoops that people go through to justify random picks yep
1: yeah it's tough but let's change the subject to something a little bit more positive positive. and you found this az central article about our plans for the immediate future and this was like right before we started recording you told me oh i found this article i said okay let's talk about it on the show And don't tell me about it, and I'll have my initial reactions. So uh, let's see what this is all about.
0: All right, so the homie Scott Bordeaux, the homie that doesn't know we exist over at (laughs) AZ Central. uh, Had a couple quotes from Ryan McDonough, as well as I'm just going to read a little bit of the article. You should really go check it out. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, Ryan McDonough told AZ Central on Saturday, which is day of recording, that the Suns will be more aggressive in free agency this summer than initially planned because the team is ready. Citing the emergence of Devin Booker as an all-star caliber talent and the productivity of small forward T.J. Warren, McDonough said it's time for Phoenix to pivot as an organization, using its cap space and future assets to become a buyer in free agency. There are certain core pieces that are starting to solidify, McDonough said. I think we'd be foolish or naive to wait forever or be overly patient. We've been, I think, relatively disciplined with contracts we've given out in terms of length and dollars. But yeah, we're planning on being one of five five of six teams with a decent amount of cap space, and we'll see if we can improve the team. Talks about the Milwaukee trade, ways that we can free up additional cap space once the offseason comes along. And then it talks about free agents that could possibly be on the Suns' radar. And And, Okay, so so far, I'm down with everything. This yes. all sounds good to me. This but. this all sounds like stuff that we've talked about on the podcast. Yes, that it, it kind of felt like we had we had this feeling that McDonough was gonna go all in this summer, mm-hmm. and I think that's what this is saying. And you know, there's a possibility we could have three first round draft picks. Say we only get two, we still have two. Like there there is a the huge possibility that like. We almost have more draft picks than we have roster spots like, yeah. to like fill. Yep. So there's got to be something else. And when you have a guy like Devin Booker who is starting to come into his own, you have the guy that you're trying to tank for. At that point, you start making moves to get into the playoffs. And we, we had the thought process. Now it seems like McDonough's backing up those ideas. Yeah. So free agents to watch. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Yep. Houston center, Clint Capella. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's been the popular one around, especially the Suns subreddit and Suns fandom in general. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a restricted free agent. There's questions of, like, Houston possibly getting someone like LeBron James to the point where maybe if LeBron is trying to make up his mind or hasn't made a decision yet, Houston can't match Capella, and so you try and get him on a max sheet early because that's probably what's gonna, it's what it's going to take is a max contract.
1: Okay, so that's interesting because if, if the draft rolls around and we end up being in the position where we don't get one of the highly touted big guys, that could be cool. My only worry is that Clint Capella is on a very good team, and yeah. he's a good player, but he has great people spacing the floor, passing to him and it would be a completely different situation so that is a little bit scary
0: yeah i don't think this clint capella thing is happening but the, the here's kind of the thought press behind thought process behind it i i don't think clint capella leaves houston mm-hmm. because I, I think you he's gonna want to cash in but the opportunity to continue just catching passes all day from mm-hmm. Chris Paul and James Harden is probably too good to pass up. Yeah. Here's the next one, though. And this one I also don't think is happening, but whatever. Orlando power forward Aaron Gordon.
1: Okay, I've seen this one.
0: This has been another popular one. Restricted free agent. Why would Orlando let Aaron Gordon walk? That's, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. that's, I get it. We want to be, that's the idea of restricted free agency is to go after these guys. I'm pretty sure Aaron Gordon is getting matched no matter what.
1: Yeah, and it would create a logjam at Power Forward for us. Well, possibly, depending Possible. on if we trade or do something with one of Chris and or Bender. Um, on the positive side, though, I've thought about this a little bit, and I think... Aaron Gordon has the chance to pull, like, a Victor Oladipo. where like, he's playing pretty well. But I could see him going somewhere else and just, like,
0: exploding. Yeah. I mean, even Oladipo in his year with the Thunder had career highs in shooting. Like, right. He, he was out of Orlando and was able to make the best of it. Now he's basically made the, extra, the next jump after that, which is yeah. the scoring jump. Yep. But I, I could definitely see that. I feel like... If Orlando's willing to give up on Aaron Gordon, they're, like, passing up on the next five years. Yeah, they would be dumb, but
1: they've proved to us that they're pretty dumb already. So. Yeah,
0: they traded Oladipo, Sabonis, and, what was it, Ilyasova for Serge Ibaka, who they then traded for Terrence Ross. Yeah, yep. They don't, they don't do the smartest things. No. Alright, here's the next one. Chicago forward Nikola
1: Mirotic. I've seen this, too. I'm not as crazy about this one.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how to feel about this. I guess, like, I kind of look at it as basically trying to get another Mirza. Mm -hmm. I love Mirza, but I don't know if this makes that much sense. But, you know, I mean, like, the dude is putting up, like, 17 points a game this year and shooting 43% from three. So, like, he is playing well. And we do need shooters, that's for sure. And he is a guy that he's a little too slow to play the three, but he could technically play spot minutes at the three if need be, if there's an injury or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This next one I'm going to skip over because it doesn't matter, and uh, that's not going to happen. Wait, no, 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 who is it? We we don't have to talk about it. New York center Ennis Kanter. Oh, yeah, skip it. Yep. Utah forward Derek Favors. Oh, yeah. I feel like this. there has been like some talk here that are always about like the Suns trying to do some sort of trade for favors because he might be best as a center and him and Gilbert kind of clog up the paint. Yeah. We had talks about this last year too.
1: Mm-hmm. Like just a few rumors here and there that we were interested. So this one isn't super surprising and I think it could work. Um, this is not a great example, but uh, shout out to the NBN League through Reddit. Um, where the Everyone on this podcast is involved in a 2k simulation gm league that we found through reddit and we actually signed favors i mean the team looks way different but he plays really well in phoenix so completely different story (laughs) but i think that (laughs) makes me a little bit biased because i'm like oh yeah he plays really well on our 2k sim league team
0: (laughs) i mean to be fair also like he has been putting up like he he's been playing really solid in utah with gobert out and Gilbert mm-hmm. is their guy. I think that he goes somewhere else. I could really see if we get either one of Trey Young or Colin Sexton in the draft and needing that big mm-hmm. to like come in here. I could totally see us signing Derek favors. yeah, I think he's only like twenty seven okay, so like he's not super like old or anything, and still kind of in that time frame of being able to and he's not an athletic guy. He's gonna be able to age probably pretty well for a big, yeah. Alright, next one up. Memphis guard Tyreek Evans. This uh, is this is a weird one. Yeah. But I think I see where where like it's kinda of coming from. I think it could make sense. It's just not like sexy or no. exciting. So Tyreek has been having I would I would say a career year with Memphis. So I actually pulled up his stats just kinda of to see. I was more curious about when he came into the league. Got drafted in 2009, was Rookie of the Year. This year, he's playing 31 minutes for Memphis and basically playing point guard because Mike Conley's been out and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Yep, yep. Tyreek Tyreek Evans actually started out basically playing point guard and that's when he ran Rookie of the Year. Then Sacramento tried to convert him to a small forward and it kind of destroyed his development. Hmm. So... Tyreek Evans is posting the second highest point total of his career in a season, behind only his Rookie of the Year uh, season, being 19.4 points per game. He's averaging five assists per game, which is not his total, but or his highest total, but still pretty solid, and 5.1 rebounds per game, which is about like which is in the top probably five of his rebounds per game, as well as getting a steal and 0.3 blocks. This guy's a bigger guard. He can play a little bit off ball, but is best with the ball in his hands. I think that where the idea of getting him comes from is that we do get one of these point guards. And we want someone else to be able to, like, not necessarily help them develop, but a guy that can go out there, compete, and give us good offense off the bench. hmm And could possibly start if we need to bring the rookie along slower. I like So that's a good possibility. I like that. I also like it if
1: uh, we end up in the draft not getting a point guard and going with someone like him. I would be okay. I mean, at this point, I'd be okay with almost anything other than our current situation. (laughs) But to have, say we don't add a point guard to our roster through the draft at all. Having Tyreek Evans start at point guard next year and then having maybe bring back Isaiah Cannon to be our backup and have Ulis as like our third string kind of guy, that would be a much better situation than it is now. But I like that idea of uh, us drafting a point guard, which I hope we do. But I think we're, we're drafting a point guard no matter it's, what. It's, it's just tough to say depending on – where we land and where other teams land because the Bucks pick is so protected, weirdly, and all of that. Yeah. But that's, that's an interesting possibility.
0: So I actually, I think I'm on board with that one. Of course, one thing to note, Tyreek Evans is the same age as Bledsoe. They're part of the same draft, or yeah. Bledsoe was the one right after, but Bledsoe was a sophomore or something like that. Okay. But this, this would be one of those things as a guy who kind of went through the struggles also, and, like, could almost be an important, like, vocal guy in the locker room for some of these, like, young guys. That yeah. Look, I've been, I was at, like, I hit that high and then bottomed out, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and here's, like, what you almost have to do. to. Like, but then still plays. Because we have yeah, some
1: of that right now with, like, Dudley and Tyson. But, but Dudley
0: and Tyson never bottomed out, I would say. That's true. Tyson started off really slow and really kind of picked it up as his career progressed. And Dudley's been about the same his entire career. Okay. We don't really have a guy that, like, had the highs and the lows as much as a guy like Tyreek Evans. Okay. Well, so far, I think that one's my favorite, then. Here's one that's... I I don't think is happening, but could be something. Portland Center, Yusuf Nurkic.
1: Yeah. I'd rather just re-sign Len and call it good. Agreed.
0: I 100% agree here, but, you know, Nurkic can play pretty solidly the only his true shooting percentage for a center is pretty rough and that's one of like his biggest knocks but like the dude can play and can put the ball in the post which we can't really say for Lynn that much
1: yeah I'm just not crazy about
0: Nurkic I don't think it's
1: that much of an upgrade agreed
0: I I definitely think that Alex Lynn probably we should just look at that but
1: it depends. Maybe Len just really decides he doesn't want to re-sign, and then we have to think about something like that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's also kind of what Bordeaux is kind of throwing out here, is that, Yeah, I mean, Len's an unrestricted free agent after this year. There's a high possibility that he goes somewhere else. Right. Next one up, Orlando guard Alfred Payton. I've thought about this
1: one, and I'm, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, you know, that would be really cool – He's a good passer. He'd be able to set Booker and TJ up really well. And then I think, like, we say Tyler Eulis is a pretty good passer. And we, I mean,
0: it's it's different. It's definitely different. Alfred but Payton has, like, six inches on Tyler Eulis. Yeah, he's Uless. way
1: bigger. Definitely a better defender. But, like, that's not hard to do. But I know that we've had these conversations where we say, Oh, yeah, Tyler Uless will be great because he's a good passer and he can set TJ and Booker up. I know we've had these conversations. I know. So when you apply that same logic to Peyton, yeah, it's different. It's definitely different. But like,
0: I just, I think we do need a point guard who can score. And I could see Alfred Peyton being a young guy. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, I'm pretty sure. He's going to be able to come in and be a bench guy behind someone if we bring in Sexton or Young.
1: Yeah, and that would be cool
0: too. And, And that'd be really great. I am always I'm always willing to give Alfred Payton a chance, and then I see highlights of him do like going for a move and his hair obstructing his vision, like <laughs> where like his hair flops in front of his eyes and he can't see what's going on. Like I, I I don't know, like dude just needs to shut up and get a haircut. Like well okay, I'm gonna disagree here. I trim, like his hair. Yeah. A hair trim, not like you can keep that funky hairstyle, whatever. But, dude, like, you can't have your hair obstructing your view when you're playing basketball. Yeah, okay,
1: and that, it's definitely extreme, and it's not like it's constantly happening. But I like his hair, for the most part. Maybe he should just pull a Dudley and start wearing a headband.
0: Maybe we should <laughs> trade for Dennis Schroeder then instead. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. Alright, last one on this list. Boston Guard, Marcus Smart. Oh, I've heard this one. I don't like it. I don't either. I don't like this, but... Again, if we're looking for a guy that has played solid NBA minutes, is a defender, is a guy that, like, is raw offensively but has come up with some big moments, Marcus Smart is kind of that guy. And he he's going to probably cost way too much, and I don't think we're going to, but I, I see where it's at. A guy that could play with our new point guard as well as play with Booker, and be able to do some interesting things while also being a defender that can actually defend unlike Tyler Eulis defender where it's defend by getting shot over like I I see where it's coming from and out of that list I feel like the most promising NBA players out of them Aaron Gordon Marco Smart as much as like it is or whatever but like the dude is an NBA player, even like he just shoots bad. But yeah. and so like if I have to say Marcus Smart, then I have to say Alfred Payton too. Right. And then right. like I, I kind of like think Meritage might be a thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I think overall we have some good options and we have the cap space to make a move. And I just like this concept in general. But let us know. I'm interested to hear what other people have to say. And of that list from this article, who would you like to see? And also, who do you think is probable?
0: And I I don't know why I didn't just say Derek Favors, but Derek Favors is like the top on my list. Oh, yeah. That I wish or like we could sign.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. And, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. Um, Greg Monroe is likely going to be gone I think he is not on this team at the trade deadline I'm interested to see if we uh, are able to move him and get anything even just like a second round pick or whatever just anything for him I think that's the uh, most like the thing that we're closest to move wise so it's good to think ahead but keep in mind Greg Monroe. You heard it here first. Well, you probably heard it in other places, too, because <laughs> yeah. it's not that out there. <laughs> it, it's but not a crazy. Greg event. Monroe will not be on the team by uh, the all-star break, or not all-star break, trade deadline.
0: I would, I would say all-star break because he's either getting traded at the trade deadline or he's getting bought out. Yeah. Because all-star break is two weeks away, something like that. So Yeah. Yeah. like the, It is a short amount of time. I would say probably by then. He's been playing now because like Tyson's old and I think Len's been hurt or something. Yeah, Len
1: did have a a slight injury. uh, But speaking of Greg Monroe, we're gonna do this quickly. We're gonna go through the last few games. They've been rough, Uh, but we'll start with Milwaukee on uh, last Monday. It was bad. We we only lost one o nine to one o five, but we had a lead. That we just couldn't hang on to. And yeah, it was uh it was
0: frustrating. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even think we should have had a lead ever at that game. No, we, we should have lost terribly. that game by like thirty points. Yeah, we should
1: have. That's how we looked. But Greg Monroe had nineteen points, seven rebounds, and four assists in that game. I didn't mind starting him because we were playing his old team. A lot of times guys will play well. So he he was he was pretty good defensively. He's not. But offensively, he played pretty
0: well. And I got, then... I, the biggest thing with Greg Monroe is... I Do you have the rebounding numbers, like, right in front? Right there? Like, team rebounding? No. Okay. I he, thought there was, like, something funky with that. He had seven. I know he had seven rebounds, right. but... uh. No, I don't have the whole thing. The thing, like, you can definitely see when Greg Monroe is in is that, like, our... our our rebounding our defense like on the inside, which is saying something considering we play Tyson Chandler at, at center, like it just gets considerably worse. And it does seem like when Greg Monroe is in, we're just getting crushed. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the only other player who really did anything was we had TJ Warren, who had 23 points, three rebounds, and one assist, which is fine on 11 for 20 shooting any other night that would have been helpful um and then troy daniels had 15 points and he hit five threes so that's that's really what kept us in the game is towards the end he was hitting a bunch of these like pretty tough threes um but i don't know this overall just was not a good game uh devin booker struggled he only had, let me see here, 14 points. He had eight assists, which is nice, but two for 14 shooting. He's been going through a little bit of a slump, but, I mean, he's just getting defended so tightly because he's all we have, except for TJ, but teams can are seeing that, yeah, TJ Warren can score 23 points, and we can still lose, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, TJ is not our best player. When our best player struggles, and... Like, let's be real here. The competition that he's had to go up against defensively, Chris Middleton is no slouch on defense. He's having like, a good season. And and he's having a great season. He's not, like, having to shoulder a ton of load. But, like, he's playing really well. His defense is really good. He's a great two-way wing. Victor Oladipo, he's been playing solid this year. And that entire Indiana team has been playing a swarming defense that's just been really tough to play against. Yeah, And, like, that, that's kind of what you have to see is this. Devin Booker is in a little bit of a slump right here, but he's it's also just coinciding with some really tough defensive matchups for him. Yes. Um.
1: So then you mentioned Victor Oladipo. We'll talk a little bit about this Pacers game. It was a tough one. 116-101. We never led, so that's always fun. Um, Booker, this was his best game of the last stretch here He had 19 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists On 5 for 16 shooting, so that's tough um, Hit 9 for 9 free throws though But uh, minus 33, that's that's tough to see Even though plus minus isn't always the most telling stat But you still don't want to be minus 33 TJ, minus 30 on that one too Ten points, zero assists, two rebounds. That's that's not a recipe for success with this team. Um, just overall tough game, but we had Troy Daniels, who had nineteen points, uh, hit five threes again. So that's pretty cool. And then Josh Jackson, the bright spot here was Josh Jackson for su- for sure, with twenty points, two assists, two rebounds on seven for eleven shooting. I'm cool with that. Josh Jackson has definitely been the uh, the silver lining to this uh, difficult stretch. He has been playing pretty darn well as of late.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he only had like six points in Milwaukee, but that Milwaukee team, again, their length causes troubles for a lot of wing guys. Mm-hmm. Not as much for big men, usually, but especially wings. But, you know, we had the Denver game before where he had 16 points. We had this game where he scored 20. His stretch of games has continued to rise up, and, like, his averages are starting to bump up too. I mean, like, he was sitting at nine points forever, it seemed like, and now he's back up to ten points averaging. And I, I mean, Jackson is starting to put it together, and that bodes really well. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's good. Uh so then if we go to this Knicks game, which I really don't want to talk about, but there's a couple things we have to mention. Another good game from Josh Jackson. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 7 for 17 shooting. Not terrible, but I can live with it. Uh we saw the return of Marquise Chris in this game back to his old form going one for 12 from the field (laughs) with three points four rebounds and assist but it's gonna take him some time to get back to where he was he was playing well and then got hurt at a very unfortunate time and we kind of saw this coming
0: yeah it's gonna take time for chris to get back into the swing of things he basically sat out for three weeks yeah that's just unfortunate like it's it's gonna take time to get him back into the swing of things we can't expect him to be where he was pre-injury. Not everyone is Devin Booker. Right, exactly.
1: And then the story with this one, speaking of Devin Booker, is we started Booker at point guard and started Troy Daniels at shooting guard just to experiment. Uh, it did not go super well, but it's the beginning of an experiment, so can't be too uh, particular. Uh, Booker had 12 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists on 4 for 12 shooting. Um, it's tough. It's very difficult to see that stat line. Um, I would like to see us continue to experiment with Point Booker for the time being, because I will take that stat line over seeing Tyler Eulis and Isaiah Cannon trade off at the point guard, but um, just difficult. And this game, the final score was 107-85. Again, we never led, so... We scored 18 points in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. That doesn't bode well. And we had a certain Knicks player who thinks he's really great, apparently, start some beef on Twitter. We mentioned him previously, and I regret doing so. So, uh...
0: I warned you. I warned you. I was just going to leave it not mentioned. So,
1: I think Scott Bordeaux can kind of cross that one off.
0: I'm not (laughs) sure when
1: that article was written, but... Anyone who has beef with Booker? Well, I don't know. We've seen Troy Daniels, Troy Daniels kind of Daniels turn like it around, player. but this this was a little bit different. Booker only played 25 minutes in this game because he was ejected, and it's probably the weakest ejection I've ever seen in my whole life. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why the trend is for role players to, like, basically be aggressors and get other guys thrown out, like it's kind of ridiculous the officiating this year has been very suspect and you've seen objections to guys like Kevin Durant like for seemingly nothing you've seen like it, like they're they're easily they're like being like oh Draymond Green talks a lot so we should like be willing to get these guys to talk a lot a ton of like garbage and more text and then Draymond Green still talks a lot and doesn't get any text but that's besides the point um like for whatever reason like these guys are just getting like these role players are being able to i'm trying to think of a word that is family friendly <laughs> <laughs> i i don't have one um but uh that that's where my, that's where i'm at right now yeah that's where i'm at right now like when, when the dude has... All he's doing is talking smack because he's on a losing team. And I guess has got into his own hype, I guess. I don't know. Like, whatever. And then we have Knicks fans all of a sudden saying how dirty Booker is because he hit Tim Hardaway Jr. on the shoulder or something. Like, it's stupid. What I'm seeing, though, going back to
1: the refs and... I'm pretty sure I heard this on the starters. I highly recommend listening to the starters or watching them every night. I listen to their podcast. It's like part of my routine now since the episodes are between like 22 and 25 minutes a night. It's a great way to catch up on everything around the league. But they had mentioned that there seems to be a divide, a clear divide between the refs and the players this season. And ever since I heard that, I'm really noticing it. It's yep. it's like refs versus players, when really they need to be on the same page, watching out for each other. And, you know, it's been bad in the past, but I just, I think this is the worst I've seen this divide, and something's gotta
0: change. I mean, like, a ref, like, got into Sean Livingston's face, like, a month or two ago. Yeah. To where, like, Livingston, I'm using air quotes here, head him. Because he's looking down at him and walking, and the ref just walks straight into him. And, like, they bump heads because the ref's, like, walking towards Livingston, like, talking almost as much as Livingston is, and then throws him out. It's like, alright, like, this is too much. Yeah. This is way too much. I don't understand what the problem is. Like, it, it's just really suspect. And then there have been a couple of things this season where guys have been trying to intentionally foul at the end of games and refs just aren't calling any of the fouls and then like calling just ridiculous flagrants on stuff like yeah yeah just everything is just very very split and i don't i don't know what the answer is i know it i don't either but
1: something definitely needs to change and these refs are human too you have to give them that but like They've got to be professional just like the players need to be professional. And I'll say, I think the players need to quiet down a little bit. I mean, every game you watch, after every single call, there's someone complaining. Like, that's going to get to a ref over time. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time for that to get to the refs. So, these guys need to quit complaining.
0: But, I mean, the refs can't respond the way they've been responding either. They've been responding terribly, but... I, I want to blame the refs for all the players complaining because they've just let it happen for so That's long. That's true. That's and true. And now that now they're getting like a complex about it, it's like you guys let this happen. Yeah. You let all these guys just talk and talk and talk and didn't do anything about it. Now you're gonna like go out in full force and like you have let it go on too long. This is your this is your fault. Yep. Yep.
1: Uh, so really quickly, I just want to mention that Trey Young and Colin Sexton. Oklahoma and Alabama played each other today and I watched that game and it made me really excited because the whole time the announcers were talking about the draft and I think both of these guys will be pretty good but David and I have talked about this we're both team Colin Sexton. I recommend especially if you're a Suns fan which you most likely are if you're listening to this show just go watch some tape of both of these guys but especially Colin Sexton. I really like his game and I would love if we could uh get him. And right now, Tankathon had him mocked at eleven in their most recent um mock draft. And it's possible that we could have a pick right around there if uh if everything with Milwaukee ends up favorably for us. So definitely check those guys out.
0: Yeah, so basically we're we'll like well we well we were kind of thinking is what would have to happen for us to even have a shot kind of at that like mid lottery kind of spot is doing some sort of package with if the Milwaukee pick goes in our favor and is like, at like 15 or so we have that, we have the Miami pick, we package those and then we have some sort of other player be very similar to what happened with the Chris situation. Yes. Where we had the 13th pick, the 28th pick, and then we had the rights to Bogdan and we traded those to be able to get the eight pick. It's going to be something very similar for that. And I really think that this Colin Sexton dropping in mock drafts and Trey Young rising up so much is eerily similar to like someone like Markel Fultz, like kind of just blowing up even more and s- Forcing a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. down a couple of draft spots. Or Donovan Mitchell. Or Donovan Mitchell. And like... Where like Dennis Smith Jr. ends up get getting drafted at number nine. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, Markel Fultz hasn't played at all or he played two games. Yeah, very little. And bit. has some weird shoulder injury that no one knows what's going on. And now and he's trying to shoot with <laughs> his non-dominant hand cuz they think maybe he's the opposite-handed <laughs> because yes. he can't shoot whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I'm like,
1: "Oh my gosh.
0: There there who knows what's going on with Markel Fultz?" Um, but like it, it this feels like eerily similar where there's a guy that like You almost kind of know that, like, alright, this guy's gonna be good. But this other guy has a potential to be, like, a superstar level. So, like, he's probably not gonna be as good, like, he could be. Yeah. Just, just watch those guys. Let us know what you think. Yeah, make your own opinion. You know, maybe you you see Trey Young and you see the reason why people are saying he could be the next Steph. But, uh, also try try and see the weaknesses that's the big mm-hmm. thing is you got to see the weaknesses you got to look at trey young and see that he's slow on defense and he's probably never he's probably not going to be a plus defender right so like that's a big thing and colin sexton is you know he's able to get to the rim he's able to do this but like you know maybe like you got to look at the negatives you've got to yeah. look at the negatives and that's the biggest thing with looking at these draft picks Everyone, we love Josh Jackson. We think he's going to be great. But we knew coming in that he, his shot was a little broken.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. This has been very good. Uh, I'm happy with uh, our discussion. But we need to discuss something else. And I assume this is your non-sports plug. But we're going to do a, a joint non-sports plug. Because on Friday, January 26th, David and I went to see my favorite band, August Burns Red, and it was amazing. So I'll let you explain your experience first, and then I'll tell everyone mine. So take it away.
0: Yeah, so this was the heaviest concert I've ever been to. I normally gravitate more towards, like, if there is screaming and stuff, you know, like a Data Remember. Data Remember is my favorite band, like, I normally gravitate towards like a lot of clean vocals and you know some of the heavy stuff, but a little bit less so. So like this was definitely the heaviest it's been. Four heavy bands just progressing with like the hype and everything. I listened to verse. I listened to August Burns Red. I like don't. It's not like I know like all their songs or anything, but I do like like them. They are good. They are definitely on the heavier end of the spectrum of stuff that I listen to, but, like, it didn't matter. That show was great. It was a lot of energy. It was a really chill show for even as much energy. And I don't know if this was because we decided to stay a little bit farther back than, like, when we were at the A Day to Remember show, and there was just anarchy because we were, (laughs) like, 10 feet from the stage, and so, like, we were just in the the center of all the insanity. But, like, being able to not be in that spot was really cool and just able to experience everything both Board of Osiris who was the last opener for them and August Burns Red just the showmanship aspects both of those bands and uh, like the light choreography for lack of a better term uh, the lighting was just on like top notch was great lighting was great showmanship the showmanship for August Burns Red was great like the lead singer was awesome I was doing some really cool stuff and really like helped get people i think even more like into it just for that and it w- it was a lot of fun um some and like yeah just like really cool stuff happened especially like kind of to end out the show some really cool stuff happened
1: yeah okay so this my experience is similar but this was my seventh time seeing August Burns Red. Uh, they're my favorite, but a lot of times I tend to listen to a little heavier music. I mean, I, st- I love A Day to Remember. I still like some of the lighter stuff, a little more poppy. But I listen to a lot of like more death metal, deathcore oriented. But August Burns Red will always be my favorite. Seventh time seeing them. But it's Every time I see them, they just get better. And I've been following them for so long. Their new album, Phantom Anthem, came out a few months ago. I plugged that like three or four times already, but check that out. It's really good. Uh, So seeing those songs for the first time was really cool. Um, It's just like seeing them for the first time all over again. And there's a few bands I've seen more than once, and August Burns Red is the only one like that for me. Um, So Jake, the lead singer... Is awesome. I've seen his career progress over the last seven years now, and he's come such a long way. His lows sound so good, very like he's getting these gutturals going, which I love. His highs are really good. His mids are really good. He he had a couple squeals in there that I was surprised by, but he pulled them off well. Um, and then at the end of the show, well, toward the end. Uh, They were playing Whitewashed, which is a song that they often end their set with. Um, And J.B. Brubaker, the lead guitar player, who's a super nice guy, um, he comes down off the stage right next to this little blocked-off area where they have the sound technician. And I don't know how he got there. We're 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 still still trying trying to figure figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) But... We're standing there, and then I see there's a couple guys who are standing in front of us who seemed really into the show, and they just, like, left very quickly. And I was like, where are they going? And so I turn my head, and I see a bunch of people starting to crowd over to this area. And I'm like, maybe there's a fight or something going on? And I look over, and there's JB. So I run over there, and he's playing a solo at the end of whitewashed which there isn't usually a solo at the end but he added this solo and people are going over and like cheering for him and he finishes his solo and he high fives everyone including me I was like right next to him which was so cool Um, high-fived everyone I know David caught him for a high-five afterwards as well and uh, that was just really cool and then Matt Griner the drummer did a big drum solo after that. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculous drum so solo. So good. And that's another thing, like I said with Jake, the, the vocalist, Matt is an, a, an incredible drummer and just one of the nicest guys. But his drumming has come such a long way since I've started seeing them. Um, you know, I've seen him perform this solo a couple times. It's something that they do at their shows. But every time I see him do that, he changes a few things here and there, and you can just tell he practices so much and gets better and better and better. So, love seeing that. Um, definitely check out August Burns Red. See them live. They're, they're so incredible live. And like the lights, like David said, the light show was so cool. And uh, there will be a picture, a very special picture going up um, I don't know when, but soon. So check our Twitter, at Pod for that. Uh, we'll be posting it there once we uh, have this picture. And I'll <laughs> just leave it at that.
0: And but, I want to say, just like, I was really thrown off, like, um, just like seeing the band and stuff. How, like, if you would have told me that these guys were Imagine Dragons, just from how they looked <laughs> almost. Like, these guys are the most, like, tame-looking metal group ever, I feel like. Like, normally, like, the singer is either going to be, like, this skinny dude with, like, kind of oily long hair, or he's going to be, like, this big buff dude with total, like, huge sleeves and, like, just going to, like, be, like, super intimidating. These dudes, as Mitch said, super nice guys, like...
1: They, they do look like, I mean, I think, you know, like, Brent, the rhythm guitar player, incredible guitar player, but, like, he loves cycling, and local IPAs, and he dresses like my dad. Like, you you don't look at him and say, oh, yeah, he's a guitar player in, like, the best metalcore band ever.
0: You're, you're going to see him as, like, oh, hey, that's that guy that I saw at the coffee shop in Portland. Right, yeah, and,
1: oh, I think he's, like, an accountant or something, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, just awesome experience overall. Uh, definitely check out August Burns Red. Um, and hit us up on Twitter, like I said, at Sonny and PHX Pod. We'll be back next week, uh, probably as the full squad. And until then, uh, thanks for listening and go, Sons. Oh, yeah.